It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, locked and loaded on a Friday TGIF. We made it. It is the get you to the weathery weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, thanks for being with us. I am the great P-Man. Philip the Ref Pilkington uh, is producing. He'll have the 94.3 The Game Sports Flash updated pirate report for you uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, loaded show today. We're going to talk to a victorious Willie Bland, J.H. Rose head coach, he'll be with us in just a little bit. And uh, Phil Constantino will uh, also be with us. He is the uh, director of broadcasting for Gardner-Webb, an accomplished broadcaster. Met Phil a few years ago when I was doing a TV game, and he was uh, involved with uh, Queens University then. Uh, That was before their move to Division I, and uh, Phil's done a great job the last handful of years at Gardner-Webb. So we'll talk to him about the running Bulldogs on the grid and I also would like to get the Garner Webb perspective on, you know, how that university is dealing with modern day college athletics. But if you're with us live on our video feed at 10, or even if you're with us at six o'clock, as we're uh, on the radio on 94.3, the game, we have information that you will want to know because back by popular demand, the great David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist joins us here on the Patrick Johnson show, Podge Sawyer, the coach joins us uh, here to talk this hey. tropical system, sir. How yes, are you? Sir. Patrick, great to be a part of the program as uh, really uh, just um, again, to be a resource for you and all of the listeners. It's my honor, Patrick. So thank you for inviting me to be a part of the program today. Well, it's awesome to have you on uh, this. One thing we know with this system, be a lot of wind for the coast and a lot of rain for eastern North Carolina. So uh, kind of tell us what to expect. Uh, again, this is, you know, live in the 10 hour, you know, six o'clock uh, here in the evening on uh, replay. What are we looking at as far as weather goes? What are we looking at as far as rain and in areas that are susceptible and the winds, I guess, along our coastal interests? So I'll let you take it away. Okay, sounds good, Patrick. And as we traditionally do, what we uh, have found to be such a great uh, combination is uh, you guiding me through the geographical regions of where you want to get those conditions. But yes, to start out, as we also do uh, in our conversations with this type of situation, uh, to give everyone the overview, we do have a uh, low-pressure system uh, that is whether it becomes tropical storm Ophelia or not, it's really just a semantics thing in that regard, Patrick. We're going to face tropical storm conditions no matter what, because this system is developing. It's developing rapidly, and uh, the forecast is verifying to mean heavy rain across eastern North Carolina. Conditions meaning uh, heavy rain, gusty winds, the potential of severe thunderstorms that could have isolated tornadoes. All of that is possible as we head into Friday evening, Friday night, overnight, 
and also into the first part of Saturday. So with that being the case, the latest forecast track for this system is a little bit farther to the east or to the right of what the previous track was. And let me share, Patrick, what that means for eastern North Carolina. With a slightly uh, farther east or a, a little bit farther to the right, if you will, of this forward-moving storm, this track would mean a little bit more of an impact for areas east of U.S. Highway 17, more for the mm-hmm. inner banks, outer banks, and coastal areas. Now, areas west of that are still going to have impacts. But the bigger threats, as it looks with this latest forecast track, would have the greater threat of severe weather being essentially uh, U.S. Highway 17, that corridor, and to the east. That would include Jacksonville, uh, Newburn, Washington, on up towards, say, Plymouth, um, you know, just looking on into how Martin County, Williamston, east of there on toward Elizabeth City as Highway 17, of course, traverses up through what we call the finger counties of northeastern North Carolina. So that's the overview, Patrick. And of course, uh, would love to uh, have you navigate us through the oh, yeah. listening area to give me some ideas of what you'd like to talk about uh, area-wise, and I'd be more than happy to give you my latest forecast information. And I know ultimately <laughs> we want to talk about a kickoff at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium tomorrow yes. evening, yes. so we can talk about that too. Yes, sir. All right, Storm Team 9 meteorologist David Sawyer with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's uh, say, well, I-, I think just from the border to the border north to south, and let's yep. uh, go west to east, let's start I-95 on to, um, you know, maybe to right around the Greenville, uh, well, 17, I-95 to 17. Well, see, see, I think this is, I think there's three sectors here. So let's go I-95 to maybe those western counties uh, just, you know, to the west of Greenville, uh, Green County, Kinston on downward. So that kind of sliver there along 95 to right before you get to Greenville. Patrick, that is spot on. A perfect way to um, partition the listening area. Let's go there first. For I-95 to the, let's say, uh, North Carolina Highway 11, U.S. 13 corridor, which would basically talk about that area you just outlined. We're going to be talking about rain amounts probably two to four inches in the I-95 corridor to around the Kenansville, Kenston, Snow Hill, Greenville, uh, western parts of Martin County, like Hamilton, up toward Windsor and Bertie County. Rain about two to four inches for this area, and this is total rainfall through Saturday afternoon, Patrick. So two to four inches of rain, not unprecedented, not, you know, in, in, extremely dangerous per se, but we know that heavy rain that can pile up two to four inches of rain in a couple of hours could cause some flash flooding, but it's more just careful driving, I would say, for the I-95 corridor to the U.S. Highway uh, 13 and North Carolina Highway 11 corridor. Again, kind of taking that eastern side from Kenansville to Kinston right. to Greenville to uh, uh, to Windsor. So yeah, that's kind of there. So do you now want to take that next little section from say that the the Highway 13, Highway 11 over to Highway 17? What do you think of that? Yeah, let's do that. That would be uh, Williamston, Washington, Greenville, of course, Farmville, Aden, uh, Grifton, uh, Bethel, and uh, you know 
points there where you go down through uh, Trenton and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that would be effective. And and I guess in there we're really going to start to see the winds pick up as well as uh, the rainfall totals. Yes, and I will say also, uh, let me quickly say, I'm glad you I'm glad you folded back to there, Patrick. Winds for that first area that we just described, winds will be less than tropical storm force from the I-90. Okay. There will be gusts, but from the I-95 corridor to that Highway 11, U.S. Highway 13 corridor, uh, around the Greenville, Kenston, Kenansville, Snow Hill, uh, Windsor area, winds will be flirting with tropical storm force gusts around 35 to 40 miles per hour there. But now transitioning to the next section, as you said, from Greenville, Farmville, Aden, Snow Hill, uh, Kenston, uh, you know, Hamilton in western Martin County, areas then east to U.S. Highway 17, I think wind gusts greater than tropical storm force are possible for areas mm-hmm. like um, Newburn, Jacksonville, Washington, Plymouth. Winds will be flirting with 40 miles per hour at times later on Friday night and overnight Friday into Saturday. And rain amounts, too, uh, will be increased, of course, with the higher amounts of precipitation the closer you get to the coast. Uh, there is a, th- a a more credible threat of flash flooding and flooding rains for this section, again, including uh, Kenansville, Kenston, um, uh, Trenton, Newburn, Jacksonville, uh, east of Greenville, over toward Washington, moving into Beaufort County. These areas, rainfall amounts here between probably three to five inches of rain for this area, Patrick, uh, could bring some flash flooding. And as the farther east you are, right along the U.S. Highway City Corridor, uh, I'll complete this section by saying that there is the chance of some isolated storms that could have rotation for areas, say, Jacksonville up to Newburn over toward Washington, Plymouth, and areas to the east of the U.S. Highway 17 corridor. All right, David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist, 17 onto the coast. I'll let you work uh, north to south here, you know, Outer Banks on down to Carteret County and then Onslow and Pender and that sort of thing. Yes, yes, indeed, Patrick. I believe significant impacts are possible for this portion of eastern North Carolina. Uh, rain amounts easily could exceed six inches, so over a half a foot of rain in the next 24 hours for areas like Moorhead mm-hmm. City, uh, out to the mm-hmm. down east Carteret County, Cedar Island, uh, Ocracoke, uh, Inglehart as we move into mainland Hyde County, Swan Quarter. Rain amounts here are going to be significant. We also have the storm surge threat. Uh, I think a lot of, of listeners uh, oftentimes are interested or uh, have have uh, understandable concerns as far as how high will the water pile up in the Pamlico River, uh, the Pungo River, the Noose River, the lower Noose, the Pamlico Sound. Patrick, I'm thinking from a storm surge standpoint, let me go there if I could uh, to say that mm-hmm. for the Pamlico River Basin, Right now, the forecast calls for storm surges to be between three to five feet above the normal ground level. So that could mean for some areas along the Pamlico River, water backing up into the Pamlico River could indeed produce water rises that could be between three to five feet. So if anyone is listening and has interest along the Pamlico River, that possibility with a, with a high end five feet of storm surge need to make sure that the boats are up on the lifts or off the lifts and in a safe place uh, to prevent the possibility of a storm surge if 
your area, you, you know, all the folks that have interest along these waterways know how high the water can get before they need to be concerned. The forecast right now, Patrick, is three to five feet for the Pamlico River and then for the Lower Noose River. Uh, the water could pile up between four, maybe as high as six feet for uh, areas in Down East Carteret County with that northeast wind kicking up between 40 and 60 miles per hour for this portion of the uh, of eastern North Carolina toward the coast and the outer banks. And let me talk winds. I've, I've talked now the rains, yep. the possible storm surge. And then as far as winds, this maximum wind forecast would be east of U.S. Highway 17, which would include Moorhead City, Emerald Isle, Boat Banks, uh, Cedar Island. Winds here, Patrick, could be between 40 and almost flirting with, uh, say, 70 miles per hour possible out on the Outer Banks from Ocracoke to Cape Hatteras. So very significant conditions uh, could happen for this uh, this uh, this storm system as it moves ashore for areas east of U.S. Highway 17, including Pamlico Sound, the Outer Banks, and uh, down east uh, Carteret County, uh, and, and the lower portion of uh, Craven County with that storm surge building up in the lower Noose River for Pamlico County and lower Craven County as well. All right, David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist. Last thing here, uh, obviously game day in Greenville. So if you would kind of take us through, you know, tailgating time, I guess late morning leading up to the 6 o'clock uh, kickoff and then ultimately what will happen around 6 when ECU kicks off against Gardner-Webb. Great question, Patrick, and this is a great, great uh, synopsis. I'm feeling more and more confident about what I'm getting ready to share with our listeners about the East Carolina football game. With the kickoff being at 6 p.m. Saturday evening, that's that's good. That is a good thing because the more time, the more time distance we have between now and kickoff to get this storm system through Eastern North Carolina, the better. So the fact that the kickoff is at 6 p.m., I'm encouraged to report, Patrick, that I believe the rain will pretty much be out of eastern North Carolina by 6 p.m. Saturday evening by kickoff time in Dowdy Thickland Stadium for the East Carolina Gardner-Webb game. Now, the tailgating. This is what I really would like to emphasize to uh, our ECU and even Gardner-Webb fans coming to Greenville for the game. The winds are going to be very gusty, so need to think about the idea that normally if you've got a tent or something like that, that may not be the best idea for tailgating, but the Catch-22, Patrick, the issue is the fact that it still could be raining at least through lunchtime on Saturday. So for tailgating, mm, not the best in terms of conditions on tailgating, but I'm encouraged for ECU fans going to Dowdy Thickland Stadium, I believe that the game fan gathering for the game Saturday could be on much improved conditions in terms of the rain moving out. Just a breezy west wind coming uh, from, uh, just for, for just for those that are interested in wind direction, the winds will be fairly breezy coming from the, uh, say, uh, Williams Arena, uh, Murphy Center. It'll be coming from that direction, blowing toward the Boneyard. So that's the way the west winds will be fairly brisk on Saturday evening as the storm pulls away and things clear out. And I'm cautiously optimistic that I believe game time, rain will be out of there. Just uh, take a jacket. It's going to be a cooler west wind. Uh, and right. you might want to take the take the raincoat with you in case there's still a stray sprinkle. But tailgating, definitely think about those winds in terms of your tailgating with tents and other things that can be blown around. And the rain chances will still be there at least through lunchtime uh, on Saturday at uh, for those gathering for tailgating. 
Awesome breakdown of what's going on right now. Uh, the great David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, as much as I like talking to you, I hope we don't talk to you again for a really long time because uh, when we talk to you, <laughs> something crazy is going on with weather. So well, uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for hopping on. Thank you, Patrick. Have a, have a great weekend. And again, thanks for the opportunity to be a part of your program. Yeah, awesome to have you. And again, by uh, listener demand, got a lot of messages yesterday about uh, you need to get David Sawyer comments on the Facebook as well. So, all right, uh, let us take a time out when we come back. Uh, ECU hosting Gardner-Webb, 6 o'clock tomorrow. Our coverage begins at 3 p.m. here on 94.3 The Game with our Bushlight Pirate Game Day countdown. We're going to talk with Phil Constantino. He is the voice of the Garner-Webb uh, running Bulldogs. We'll get uh, the uh, straight poop on G-Dub when we come back. R and You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. All right, it is uh, East Carolina welcoming Garner-Webb tomorrow to Dottie Ficklin Stadium, 6 o'clock. Our Pirate Game Day countdown begins at 3 p.m. on 94.3 The Game. We're going to have Trent McGee subbing for me tomorrow. Uh, And, uh, of course, Terrence Copper, the NFL vet, uh, Pirate all-time great, Washington Pam Pack legend. Joey Sampson, Joey Football will be uh, on as well, and uh, 247's Steve and I go. Uh, We go now to the uh, phone line. And uh, it's a real treat to have on uh, a, uh, I, I hate to sound like an old guy because he's a little bit of an old guy too. I'm kidding with him. Phil Constantino is with us uh, here. I was very impressed the first time I met you, Phil. I thought, boy, here's a, a real up and comer. And uh, by golly, if it's not proved to be uh, true. So great to talk to you. Uh, Phil's involved with, uh, it's been too long. it has Phil's involved with broadcasting and strategic communication. We have a lot of friends and the, uh, colleagues that uh, cross yeah. paths with both of us and uh phil's never short of an opinion with him which is good which is good we need i would be the good cop you'd be the bad cop in those scenarios as we mentor young broadcasters phil but i like that yeah you know i tell them i, I call it how i see it i tell it how it is i don't know is that my my new york edge or something uh but folks have become accustomed to me i guess i hope yeah i hope they say nice things I try to help. Oh, know. no, they do. They say, they, they, you know what they say? They say, Phil's honest. I said, well, good. You need a little honesty in your uh, the broadcasting. In, right, in your critique, because uh, there's going to be honesty, and usually when it's honest, it's not as good. So some constructive honesty is a good thing. Okay, uh, well, Phil, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the running Bulldogs coming in. Uh, we've talked about them all week from our perspective, but I'd love to hear kind of the straight poop from the uh, G-Dub perspective. And uh, this will be the second FBS opponent that uh, the running Bulldogs have played so far in the first month. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, it's the one and two starts a little bit disappointing. I think everyone thought at minimum they should be two and one, potentially even three and oh against Appalachian State in week one. Yes, an FBS opponent. Yes, traditionally a uh, in the last 10 years, a very prominent group of five opponent. But it's a Gardner-Webb program that now in six FBS games under Trey Lamb has uh, been in the game in five of the six, only blown out one time. That was a couple of years ago. And in three of those games, had a legitimate chance to win. And when I mean that, or when I say that, I mean ball in their hands, driving down the field, 
less than a touchdown, the margin, touchdown wins it, and they just throw an interception or they can't convert on fourth downs and turn it over. Like, should have won those games type of situation. Right. So uh, they feel like week one against Appalachian State, when you're up you know, late in the third quarter, five minutes left in the third quarter, and the entire stadium just kind of has this nervous energy to it because of it, you got to go win the football game. And a couple of bad plays down the stretch, a shanked punt flips field in the wrong direction, and next thing you know, they score three times in a row and it gets away from them and they lose by three touchdowns. Um, so maybe that's not a game they definitely should have won, but it's a game they could have won. And uh, beat Elon in week two, that's a premier FCS win, but it kind of was a little bit ugly uh, because they did have a yeah. two-touchdown lead with six minutes left and then squandered that lead with a bad fumble late only to go down the field and score a touchdown to win it by a touchdown with 14 seconds left. And then last week versus Tennessee State, that was just a, a sloppily, poorly played football game, and uh, they lost on a 50-yard field goal with a couple of seconds left by two, a game that they should have won, a game that if they played their normal game, they're probably two touchdowns better than Tennessee State. So yeah. it, it's, it's a little bit disappointing, but I think they understand that there's an opportunity this week to go make a statement. Um, maybe in some ways the loss was good because it refocuses them. They know they have been chomping at the bit for these FBS games and they know they have been close and they know that against an 0 three team, this is a real opportunity. So they'll be ready to play. And I still think they understand that, okay, we lost one conference game, but our goals of a championship, our goals of an FCS playoff appearance are still very much in front of us. So it's not a sky is falling me uh, feeling by any means, but it's definitely a little bit disappointment. And Hey, if we want to go where this program has built toward, and this program has been last year, it's going to require a refocusing and it's going to require a, Hey, let's get the job done. Bill Constantino on the line with us here on the Patrick Johnson show. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about uh, Trey lamb and he's a young guy. He runs this offense, which is very similar to what Tennessee uh, runs Hypel, of course, ran something very similar at UCF when he was there. So Pirate fans should have some familiarity with uh, this or recognize it. So uh, Trey Lamb seems to have inserted a great deal of uh, enthusiasm and excitement into the running Bulldog dog program. Oh, yeah. And before Trey Lamb, I mean, it's a program that hadn't been very good. Uh, I mean, they made the trip to East Carolina the year before Trey Lamb got to Gardner Webb, and I think you know how that one went. Um, so Trey Trey has turned around the program. I'll tell you the first time I met him, because at the time when he was hired, he was hired at Gardner Webb uh, just before the pandemic. I came in just after the pandemic because we were coming out of it. So our mm -hmm. seasons match up together, and I remember the first time I met him. Uh, he was in the office. He popped in the office for something. And he was this young, fresh face. I think he was 31 years old at the time. But it's just his whole demeanor just screamed head coaching vibes. You knew that was the head football coach. No one had to tell you. And he comes from a family of coaches. His father, a prominent high school coach. His uh, uncle, uh, a longtime uh, FCS coach, who's now the head coach at Anderson, the new program that's starting there in Division II. Um, mm hmm he has, almost in a good way, a little sense of that head coach arrogance and focus. Um, right. And, and he is a hard worker. He is an incredible football mind. 
He believes in an offense that, well, let's, let's go fast. Let's spread the field with wise. Let's maximize number of snaps. And um, he, he and I have a great working relationship. I consider him a friend. He's a great dude. And, and I'll tell you what, I think everyone in Boiling Springs knows that he's going places eventually in his career uh, because he's just, he's just too good. Right, right. Uh, Phil, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about a guy who I think will get – has NFL talent, so I think he'll get an NFL – a legitimate NFL look. He may be a bit of a tweener, but Ty French uh, starts off the game at Tennessee State with uh, a sack and a forced fumble, and uh, he 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 could wind up uh, tying the all-time sacks lead as soon as Saturday. He's that good. He needs two yeah. and a half. So uh, give us a little bit of the four-one-one on Ty French. Well, he's already got the conference record, and and he's very close to the school record. Uh, my guess is by the end of the year, he'll get that. And last year, he set a Big South Conference single-season record. Um, I don't know, if I'm being honest, and I haven't heard Trey Lamb specifically say this. I just kind of gleaned this from some some comments that Trey has made over the years. Ty's first year at Gardner-Webb was Trey's first year, my first year. Uh, that year coming mm-hmm. out of the pandemic. You know what was going on at the time. Rosters were crowded because of... yeah the extra year. And so I, I just kind of got a sense that Gardner Webb doesn't get Ty French if the pandemic doesn't happen because yes, he is. A, he was a little bit undersized and he's filled out. He's now six three two thirty. He is sculpted. He's a menace um, on the field, off the field. He's the, the nicest, most fun loving kid in the world. Always laughing, always having a good time. Goes out of his way to say hello to you. But I, I don't know that Gardner-Webb necessarily gets a kid like that, but they did. And if it's any indication, the kind of program that, that Coach Lamb runs and the kind of kid that Ty French is, I know there are schools that want him, and he stayed. Um, and he'll finish out his degree at Gardner-Webb. Probably, you're right, go to the NFL, at least have a shot to potentially get drafted or at least sign in a camp somewhere and, and make an NFL roster. But we get scouts on campus all the time, come to practice, and every single time they come to practice, they always tell me, Ty French has a real shot. He's a player. Um, so yeah. I, I cannot say enough nice things about that kid. Just a hardworking, loyal, good kid who's a fun kid to be around. But on the football field, stay away from him. <laughs> he is <laughs> he is intimidating. Phil Constantino with uh, Gardner-Webb. You've also got another veteran in the backfield with uh, Nari Gaither who – can catch the football, can really hurt you in space on those screens. He's a hard runner, though. Uh, huge game for him in the loss at Tennessee State. The career number, I think it is, is over six yards a carry. That's pretty darn scary. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. He's another one. Great kid. Just just a great kid. And, and I think it in 2023 college football, I mean, you're asking me about Two marquee guys who have been around. Nari Gaither had the extra COVID year. His year, his first year, uh, was the year before Trey Lamb got to Gardner Webb. And there was a lot of thought that he wasn't going to use it. And it was big news when late in the in the spring it was determined, yeah, Nari's coming back and, and he's going to play one more year. And I think it tells you the kind of kid he is. I think it tells you the kind of program Trey Lamb runs. But but Patrick, you know this. It's 2023 college football. You don't return 17 starters unless you're yeah. doing something right. It doesn't happen, especially at the FCS level. You go and win a championship. Well, there's room to go up. 
And there were some starters from last year that left and went FBS, two offensive linemen. But all of these other kids stayed loyal and came back. Um, and Nari Gaither's a phenomenal kid. I think he'd probably tell you the first two games he didn't get off to a great start this season. Um, last game he exploded, but he still has to perform a little better in the passing game. He dropped a couple of passes. So he gets it going. He gets his legs under him. He's going to be just fine. I uh, want to ask you a little bit, Phil, about uh, really quick here. And, and you know, Gardner-Webb is at the FCF's level, Big South in hoops, uh, you know, low-level Division One. Pirates have played him, of course, and uh, I, I really like your guys' coach there in hoops. Uh, but I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, from from just the athletic perspective, you see all this going on uh, mm-hmm. in – conference expansion world you know where, where does garner webb see itself as an athletic department in the future yeah that's a great question and the i i can tell you that the word that i get from the administration from all the way uh from the top down from president uh downs from uh dr goodrich the athletic director at this current moment gardner webb's a proud member of the big south and Gardner-Webb understands that, you know, we can go chasing, you know, what everyone else is chasing in the world of conference realignment and then the change of college athletics. But, but there's one thing that you can't put a value on that is tried and true no matter where you go. Championships. Mm-hmm. Winning sells. Winning gets you recognized. Winning gets you noticed. Um, and so the university has put, and I give Dr. Downs a lot of credit because he has been at the forefront of changing the attitude and and putting the resources toward athletics during his five years at Gardner-Webb. The university has focused on that. Let's win. The rest of that stuff, we'll worry about it later. The rest of that stuff will all take care of itself. I think you get a lot of schools nowadays, they want to go chase, as Dion would say, chase the bag, right? Right. Well, focus on winning. And uh, the university has done that. I think it started in 2019 when the men's basketball team broke through, won the Big South Championship, went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in Division One, And it has only continued. Last year was the most successful year athletically in the history of the program. Football won the Big South title. Women's basketball went 21-0 and in conference games, regular season and postseason. It was the single best season, men's or women's in the history of the Big South Conference. And the men's tennis team won a championship, three championships. And if you talk yeah. to Dr. Goodrich, the athletic director, he'll tell you this year we're going for five. Now, I don't know if five happens. Might be a little bit ambitious, but that's the goal. You know, there's, there's change in all around. Um, in our league, teams have come and gone. Uh, I've been at Gardner-Webb for four years, and I've seen the same teams that have come in also leave after a year or two. Um, right. But yeah. for now, Gardner Webb's a a proud member of the Big South, and the focus is on winning. And you focus on winning, the rest of it takes care of itself. You know how it goes, Patrick. Everyone's oh, putting yeah. a value. We sit here debating Power Five school. Who's going to get more TV money? Who's going to get more of this? Well, guess what? You put the product on the field that wins. That TV money is going to take care of itself. So you know what's interesting too is um, a lot of this. Um, with this expansion, somebody's got to lose. <laughs> so not everybody's going to go 500 in the conference. 
when you expand these things. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you're taking the money, but uh, it's, it's going to be tough if you're con- constantly. Uh, big conference are not in the bottom part of the standings. Hey, well, Phil, also, awesome let me throw this out there to you. Let me, yeah, let me throw this quick. out there to you. And, and this is just sure. me speaking, not not on behalf of the university here. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of schools, and this is this whole thing has trickled down to you know this to the Big South level because there are schools that have left the Big yeah. South. The Big South a couple of years ago, when I first got in the league, was a twelve team league. Now we're at nine full member institutions. The Big South two years ago was a nine team football league. Now we are under six and had to merge with the Ohio Valley uh, for sustainability in a playoff berth. I mean, there's no question that there's a little bit of an anxiety, I think, among some people about the Big South and, and its future. But what I would say is this. If you're Campbell, for example, or one of these other schools that have gone to the Colonial with 16 teams or, or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. where's your path to the postseason? Where's your it's path tougher, to win? Yeah. 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 So... So again, this that's just my own two cents. I, I wouldn't say don't 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 quote me on behalf of the university on that one. But 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 if I'm if I'm if I'm speaking my own mind and I, and I'm speaking um, what I where I think Gardner Webb Athletics is aligned is worry about winning. I think all of these schools get so focused on just worry about winning. You win and the rest takes care of itself. Yeah. Hey Phil, great to talk to you, my man, uh, and uh, hope to catch up with you again soon. Say hi to Tim Kraft. It, is, it has been too long. I got to go call Tim Kraft later today, so I will. It has been too <laughs> long, right, Patrick, do. and uh, it's good to talk to you. And I felt bad. I saw you a couple years ago at basketball. I had to go rush and chase our, uh, chase our coach down for an interview. I didn't get a chance to chat with you. I felt bad. So here I am two years later. <laughs> well, there you go. Like I said, it's been too long. Stay in touch. We'll, we'll see you soon, Phil. All Take right, care. Patrick. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Yep, there he goes. Phil Constantino uh, does the uh, Garner Web uh, TV and radio broadcasts uh, all around. Great guy. Tell you what, Pilk, let's grab a break. We'll come back with your update, and then we'll finish the show with Will Bland. I think that's probably the way to go here. So uh, a timeout when we come back. Philip the Ref Pilkington with the 94-3, the game, sports update, and pirate report. And then Rose coach Will Bland as the Rampants get a victory for the first time since August. Uh, last night, shutting out South Central when we – Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. We will start with the Pirates. Uh, The football team has started 0-3 on the season. Coach Blake Harrell spoke about the team finding its identity. You find your true identity of the team about after four games, and especially with a new bunch defensively, we're kind of working through some of those things, trying to find the right combinations, get the right guys on the field, and uh, we'll continue to do that. And I, I think we're getting closer and closer. You know, Antoine Jackson stepped up, had a really big game. Siobhan Rebel made a nice play down the sideline. Uh, Mike Edwards led us in tackles last week. Uh, so we got some guys doing that, but I think there's some other guys that we, we can pull from and get more from too. The Pirates will be in action tomorrow, 6 o'clock, right here on 94.3 The Game with our network coverage starting at 5, and our local pregame will start at 3 o'clock. Staying with Pirate Athletics, the Pirates soccer team drew UAB in their second conference game of the season down in Birmingham. Sydney Chanel scored her third goal of the season in the 1-1 to draw. In the wee hours of the morning, Friday morning, the State House of Representatives passed a new bill that targets the administration of high school sports in North Carolina. The bill would allow the Board of Education to set participation rules, which include 
academic standards, enrollment and transfer requirements, attendance requirements, med medical eligibility requirements, biological participation requirements, recruiting limit limitations, hardship expectations, and amateur status. In high school football last night, J.H. Rose blanked South Central 46 to nothing. Conley had a big road win at Northside Jacksonville 41 to 12. North Pitt fell to West Carteret 56 to 58, excuse me, to 36, and Farmville Central knocked off Aiden Grifton. 62-26. Tonight, 2-1 NC State travels to 0-3 Virginia to take on the Cavs. The Pack are favored by 9 in that contest, which will be both teams' first ACC game of the young season. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, the head coach of that Rampants football team that beat South Central last night, Will Bland, will join the show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. The great uh, Will Bland joins us uh, here, one of our dear friends. Uh, big win for his Rose Rampants last night over their cross-county rival South Central 46-zip. Coach Bland, uh, a huge first quarter, and uh, you guys never look back. Congratulations. Great to talk to you. I uh, appreciate it, yeah. And that's what probably one of the biggest things um, that's been going on since we started the season. Like, we start off slow, get behind, and had to fight our way back in the second half. And I thought the kids did a great job going out there from the get-go, um, playing with a lot of emotion, um, getting after our South Central, and then having us to get that big lead and then just having to, to hold off at, at the end. So I thought he did a great job in all aspects of the game. You know, Will, uh, I mean, Chris Cherry's done a heck of a job at South Central. He's changed the culture there. They had three wins coming in. Uh, they were hyped for last night at home. They always are when they play the Rampets. So, I mean, you knew it was going to be tough and that a, a fast start was probably, what I'm sure, what you were preaching all week. But to deal with all that emotion – for your guys to do that and then come out and, and be as victorious as they were, that has to be really satisfying for you. It is. And then trying to keep, um, you know, we're, we're one and four and trying to explain to some of the kids that guys, we're, we're not, we're not any typical one and four for watching. We, we play some great non-copper games against great opponents. So just having to believe that we're good as advertised. We just got some mistakes clear up and then being able to start fast so it was very satisfying to see them go out there and just enjoy playing football again which they did last night and um getting the victory and then getting ready for um, our next week game hey will uh or coach plan tell us a little bit about uh who um who played well for you particularly you thought last night well, I, I thought um, Jaden Lovett did a great job um, quarterbacking the, uh, the guys last night. We um, we using a two quarterback system. And I thought he did a great job at you know, and running the offense, throwing great passes, throwing some connecting deep on some a lot of post pass, uh, being able to read do the read option, read that in guys. So I thought he did a, a exceptional job at, in that aspect, which we need um, some of that with our, both our quarterbacks. And they both do different things pretty good, but I'm glad he stood out a little bit uh, better last night. And then Landon Richard, he's been quiet all year, and uh, he exploded last night for 155 yards on three catches. had three touchdown passes last night, uh, which was big for him. 
And then Justin Big does a great job. I know you want to see the um, touchdown. He didn't get in the end zone, but um, he does a great job of getting it open, getting in the space, um, making things happen when he gets get the ball. So I'm very happy for him. And Malachi Keyes showed up. So um, he had a 68-yard hitch that he took all the way back to the house. So them guys did a great job on the offensive aspect of it. On defense, um, being able to put uh, Quinn McCaffrey, one of our big guys we got, um, for JP2, he, and right now he, we use him a little bit more on defense. I uh, want to get him more on offense, but he does a great job back there in the secondary, helping them guys off the line. He does a great job. I think we held uh, South Central, who's been averaging 230 yards passing to only 30 yards in the first half. So, um, um, I want to ask you them. Oh, yeah, go, uh, yeah, great job. I want to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, obviously, uh, Dr. Love, Stephen Lovett, uh, beloved. Coach, defensive coordinator for you, uh, died uh, February, and uh, just was a great guy. And 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 you've kind of filled those shoes. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know that because uh, Coach Lovett was uh, such a a solid, a great human being. You know, never mind this. Let's let's just say a great guy, but uh, such a solid football guy too. So uh, how is that? Uh, how has that transition been? Well, it's, it's been, you know, at the beginning of a rocky, uh, a little uh, rocky there, but, you know, Lovett did everything for the kids. He loved the kids. He loved the players. He would do anything for them and then, um, take them home here early in the morning, making sure they got um, Gatorade and a little snack that he would take care of. So, uh, you know, we lost a great guy. Um, loved football, cared about everyone. Um, you can tell by his funeral how many people cared about him and what he did for for them. Um, but, um, you know, word can't describe him. I know he's probably looking down on us, um, just happy that we finally got back on the right track. But, um, you know, we have went out there and got um, Coach Light to help us out this year with it, um, with the defense calling and stuff. So, and he's, you know, he's been around. Coach Light also has done a great job. He's got um, six state championships as a um, defensive coordinator. So, you know, yeah. he knows yeah. what he's talking about. So, just got to, you know, try to get his terminology into the kids and make sure the kids understand what they want, what he wants them to do. Make sure all our coaches know what's going on, so we can make sure we put the best product on the field. Uh, JH Rose, head football coach, Will Bland, forty-six zip. Uh, they beat uh, South Central last night. Former Pirate Will Bland and uh, Havelock Ram is with us here. All right, you got Northside Jacksonville coming up uh, at home, and then Conley on the road, Newburn and Havelock. Uh, after last night, you got to feel pretty good about maybe going on a little run here. Uh, Northside Jacksonville's having a bit of a down year. Conley's not normal Conley, but that's a rivalry game. We know how those uh, go, but uh, Rose has at times played very well over in Hollywood Crossroads. Newburn, uh, according to everything we understand, a big blow to them uh, and uh, their program as Jacksonville took care of them last night. Of course, then Havelock. So there's a lot to play for. Do you feel like you're on a in a position after that tough non-conference to go on a roll here? Yeah, and I think so, and that's one of the, the reasons why we try to schedule some of them non-conference games, because you find out who you are, and I think um, them four non-conference games, uh, we found out who we were, we were battle tested, playing against some great teams out there, if you look at it, we could very well be in two and two coming out of conference, non-conference, but, you know, the way the b- ball bounced, we were one and three, and then, you know, Jacksonville is, is 
uh, a great school. They're a great team this year, and we knew that coming in. Uh, so, you know, everybody's chasing Jacksonville right now. So we just got to come out here, and, and we, like you said, we got some great games coming forward. We just got to uh, make sure that we do what, do what we can do as coaches, make sure we get the players ready because, again, you know, north side is going to be north side. In this league, anybody can win. Collins a rivalry game, throw your records out of the window, and then you got Newbern, the defending um, state champion. Until somebody wins the state championship out of the 4A, they're still going to be the defending state champion. So no matter, regardless of that, and then, you know, we'll have a bye, and then we got to play half life, which is going to be a great game, as always. So if we can go on a little run here, I think we'll be able to um, make a decent run in the playoffs. Hey, Coach, always great to talk to you. Appreciate the time. Congrats on the win last night, and uh, we'll catch up with you real soon down the road. I appreciate it, Patrick. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, always great to have you on. The great Will Bland with us uh, here. Rose picking up the win last night over uh, South Central. Farmville getting the win over uh, Aiden Grifton in a uh, another cross-county game last night. All right, so let's uh, set the table for uh, everything going on uh, tomorrow. Uh, we've got a uh, pirate game day countdown originating from the studio tomorrow with Trent McGee uh, substituting for myself, uh, who'll be joined by Terrence Copper and Joe Sampson, Dom Kasolke, Philip the ref Pilkington. They'll be here uh, doing everything and uh, they'll hear from Steven Igo. Igo will be out at the stadium and uh, they'll be on from three until five with our Bushlight pirate game day countdown. We'll feature in that uh, the keys of the game driven by Brown and Wood. Also coming up uh, tomorrow, network coverage, 107.9, joins the fray at uh, 5 o'clock. That'll go uh, for the hour countdown to the uh, kick, and then it'll be uh, ECU hosting Gardner-Webb, 6 o'clock with Jim Zoki, Kevin Monroe, Macy O'Donnell, and David Horn. All right, I am uh, going to be doing, or at least scheduled right now, to do Friday Night Rivals tonight with Jay Sonalder in the Triangle Market. The game has been moved up to right now. This is the magic of radio, folks. So we'll see how all that plays. Uh, rivalry game there between Apex and Cary. Apex, very good. And then tomorrow uh, on Gridiron Radio Network across the country, 200-plus stations, uh, every state but Alaska, uh, I'll be on the sidelines as the field reporter for number three Florida State at Clemson. So uh, I'll be uh, doing that. That's where I'll be tomorrow. And uh, honored to be asked by uh, Noah Britton Company to uh, do that. And uh, haven't been to Death Valley in about 20 years, so I figured it would be a, a good way to uh, head out and get a uh, little, little taste of uh, one of the big college football games and what is a great college football uh, weekend. All right, uh, big thanks today to Will Bland, J.H. Rose coach for being with us, David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteor meteorologist, and Phil Constantino with uh, Gardner-Webb Athletics. Great to talk to all of those folks here today. Thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. Great job by him as always on the uh, scoreboard update desk but also producing uh, the show all right we'll be back uh, monday patrick johnson show uh sometime around two or three in the afternoon recording the show uh we'll have it for you live on video with jay sonalder and then uh five o'clock back there on uh, monday with all of the post-mortem for the pirates and running bulldogs my guy randy cap's very excited about that He's a GWU alum. All right. Don't forget Pirate Game Day Countdown tomorrow, 3 o'clock, right here on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. It's presented by Bush Light, Trent McGee, along with uh, Joe Foot Joey Football, Joe Sampson, and Terrence Copper on the big program tomorrow. Steve and I go also from Hoist the Colors. 
All right, stay dry, stay safe. Have a great and safe weekend, and we'll uh, see you Monday on the Patrick Johnson Show that morning on Talk of the Town at 7 a.m. Go Pirates, beat those running Bulldogs. Thank you.